Father, we thank you, Lord, for your presence, God, that is already saturating this place. Lord, usher us in today. Lord, we just make room for you. Lord, for what you desire to do in the house today. God, we bring ourselves into agreement with you, into alignment with you, Lord, to receive what you have stored up for us this day. God, we thank you for your sacrifice. And Lord Jesus, we just rejoice. We rejoice today for what the Lord has in the house and for the victory that is in the house. God, for the miracles and for the healing. Lord, we set our eyes upon you, Lord, to be amazed by the works of your hand. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, he is risen, he is risen. You see what I see. Do you see what I see? Oh, I see lightning, I hear thunder. Something stirring six feet under. Dead things coming back to life again. I believe there's about to be another resurrection yeah I see signs and I see wonder oh I see birds of living color dead things coming dead things coming back to life again I believe there's about to be another resurrection You know what I know. 
I call your name. Something happens when 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 I call your name.
that give Jesus the praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And we know he's worthy of it all. All the blessing and the honor and the glory and the power is unto you, Jesus. Would you just lift your hands? Come on and say, I love you, Jesus.
give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Thank you, Jasmine. Thank you. Y'all can be seated. Happy Easter to everyone. What a great resurrection day it is. Amen. Just got one announcement for you today, and that is on May 7th at 11 o'clock, we're going to have Jasmine's baby shower. Now... It's very exciting, but let me tell you, before that is our monthly Saturday morning prayer, and that will be here from 9.30 to 10.30, and following that, we will have the baby shower. Amen. Happy Easter, everybody. You know, they put Jesus on the cross, and after he goes through everything that he goes through in that moment, the final words he says is, it is finished. And that translates into paid in full. That means whatever you need here today, it's already been paid for. When you go to get it, there's a stamp right on it that says paid in full. And all you have to do is go and pick it up. Amen. See, today we are celebrating truly what this all boils down to. We serve a resurrected king, a resurrected king. So as we go ahead and we prepare, the ushers are getting ready so we can take up an offering. You know, offering is a form of worship. Offering says to the Lord that I trust in you more than I trust in this, this man-made economy, right? says, Lord, I trust in you, and that's why I give to you. So it doesn't matter what's going on with inflation. Your paycheck is not determined by the economy. Let me just help you today. It's not determined by the economy. Whatever you're in need of, all you have to do is ask. Let's stand up and do our declaration together. Honey, want to join me? Hallelujah. Here we go. Let's sing, let's sing it. I'm not going to sing. I, that's, if you want to empty a church, I can, I can empty a church for you. Okay, let's say it together. Because I'm a tither and a giver, the windows of heaven are open to me, and God rebukes the devourer for my sake. I am blessed financially and receive a blessing that I cannot contain. I choose to sow cheerfully and bountifully, knowing I will reap bountifully. He makes me the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. The blessings of God are chasing me and overtaking me. Because God loves to see me prosper, 
I am believing him for advancements, God ideas, blessings and increases, financial freedom and breakthroughs. Amen. Ushers, go ahead and serve the people. Say hello to somebody. And again, happy Easter.
Mary went to the garden tomb, surprised to find the body of her Savior had been moved. An angel stood before her and said, Jesus is not here. Three days he lay in this mortal grave, but Mary, don't you fear, you ain't seen the last of Jesus. I know he is alive. He shatters Satan's victory with death he did survive. You will see him in his glory right before your very eyes. You ain't seen the last of Jesus. He's alive. Yeah. On the day of his ascension, Jesus went to complete his plan. Before your very eyes, you ain't seen. 
love. Yes! Happy Resurrection Sunday! Are you glad that Jesus is alive? Come on, church! Oh, that's something to shout about! Hallelujah! Somebody shout hallelujah! 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 Thank you, Jesus! We don't have to look to 2,000 years ago and we don't have to look to heaven. He's alive in this room today, right now. Yes, hallelujah, glory to God. You may be seated. I'm so excited that you're here today. Uh, we have special guests from all over the country. Uh, let me see, I met some folks from Alaska, from Anchorage, Alaska. Would you stand and let us welcome you? Yeah, yeah. We have a, yes, we're glad to have you. We have a family from, is it Minnesota? No, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Stand up, Pittsburgh, and let us welcome you. Glad to have you on this Sunday. Welcome to Nashville. Let's see, I've got lots of folks from Missouri, the show me state. Stand up, Missouri. I've got Branson and St. Louis and, yes. Did I see, did I meet somebody from, let's see, oh, North Carolina, North Carolina. Stand up and let us welcome North Carolina. Glad to have you. Thank you. And Georgia, we've got folks from Georgia. Anybody, stand up, all of Georgia, stand up. Let us welcome you. So glad that you are here. Am I missing anybody? India, stand up, India. Let us welcome India. God bless you. May I ask where? Where in India? For yea, I say unto thee. Just kidding. Can somebody interpret that for me? The South part. Okay, well, we're glad to have you in the South part of the United States of America, brother. Welcome to Regeneration Nashville. <laughs> All right, anybody else? Wisconsin. Wisconsin, stand up, Wisconsin. Let us welcome Wisconsin. So glad to have you. Okay, and over here, yes. Where? Wis Did you hear? We're Wisconsin. We're honored to have you in a good old Nashville. Yeah, so anybody else? Yes. California, welcome, California. Stand and let us welcome you. Wow, beautiful folks from California. We're honored to have you. Uh, I'm, I just get so excited about Resurrection Sunday, and uh, I just think of uh, growing up and going to get Easter shoes and all that stuff. Do you remember all that, being a kid and growing up? If, how many of you grew up in church? Yes. So you have wonderful, wonderful memories. Uh, I, I remember... When I was a little girl, there was a show on television called Kids Say the Darndest Things. Do you remember that show? And that was uh, Mr. Art Linkletter. And I'm told that Mr. Art Linkletter was a believer, that he was a Christian. And so his sponsors would not allow him to share his faith on national television. So it was Easter approaching, and so he thought that he would share his faith kind of in, in the back door, come in the back way 
about it. And so without the sponsors knowing what he was doing, he gathered the children around uh, on this show and he said, uh, how many of you know why we have Easter? Well, all the little kids, they raised their hand. And one, he said, okay, why do we have Easter? And one little girl said, it's because we hide Easter eggs and, and we go and hunt Easter eggs. And, and that's what Easter is about. And he said, well, you may do that, but that's not what Easter is about. He said, does anybody know why we celebrate Easter? Oh, a little boy raised his hand. He said, yes, I know. He said, it's the one time of year that my daddy goes to church. And Mr. Linkletter said, yes, but does anyone know how Easter originated, how it began? And one little girl raised her hand, and he said, okay, tell me. She said, well, Jesus was crucified on a cross, and he was put in a tomb. And the stone was rolled away, and Jesus came out of that tomb. And if he saw his shadow... We had six more weeks of cold weather. <laughs> Maybe a little confused. But I'm telling you that Jesus Christ died on a cross. And he was placed in a tomb. And I have some very, very, very wonderful news for you. He arose again for you and for me. And I, for one, am the chiefest of sinners. And I needed a risen Savior. I needed to visit a tomb where there was no Savior inside. But He lives today for you and for me. On a hill far away sing it with me church stood an old rugged cross come up here becky the emblem of suffering and shame and i love that old cross do you love it where the tears just sing with me and blessed for a world of lost sinners was saying so I'll cherish the old rugged Cherish the old rugged 
give Jesus Christ the greatest cheer of the day? Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Come on, church. Give it up for Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Thank you, buddy. God bless you. Be seated. Boy, I love those old hymns. Just, just uh, there's something about them too. You know, it seems like everybody knows them. You know, you can do the modern worship courses, and everybody just kind of tries to fake it. You kick into Amazing Grace, and the whole place just lights up. Amen. I was just wondering, how many of you men bought an Easter outfit for this Sunday? <clears throat> Amen. Uh, I don't remember doing that. Uh, but uh, I think today we're going to have a great, great time uh, not only celebrating the uh, resurrection of Jesus Christ, but I want to preach today on, I think, the single greatest event that happened out of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we, we just don't hear it preached about. But you and I would not be here today if it was not for what Jesus did after resurrection. And so I want to, uh, we're going to read some different portions of Scripture because I feel like we need to be biblically sound in what I'm going to preach to you. And uh, I want to start off in Hebrews, um, the eighth chapter, and then we're going to go back over to Exodus because I'm going to have to lay a foundation here for where we're going to go. Uh, we're going to go um, Hebrews chapter 8. And then we're going to go to Exodus chapter 25. We'll start with uh, Hebrews 8 and 1. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum, or this is the conclusion. So you really need to go back and you need to read Hebrews chapter 7. Because you remember that uh, in the original, there were no chapters. It was just a continuation so he is now summing up the argument that he has been making in the previous chapters. So this is the sum or the summation. We have such a high priest who has set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. So now we get to go back to Exodus chapter 25 because a lot of times when we read about the tabernacle in the wilderness, um, we don't realize that it was not something that Moses designed. It was given to him by God. And in Exodus chapter 25, uh, starting with verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, 
speaking to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. The next several verses tell us what they brought. And then in verse 8, it's why God asked for this. He said, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According to all that I showed thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. And so, when God begins to describe to Moses the pattern of the tabernacle that he wants Moses to build, God is looking at the tabernacle that is in heaven and he is describing it to Moses. And he is telling Moses, you're going to build a replica among Israel like there is in heaven because I want to dwell among men. A little farther on in this, in this chapter, um, the Lord makes this statement, in fact, in, in uh, verse 10. He says, and they shall make an art of shittim wood, two cubics and a half shall be the length thereof, a cubic and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubic and a half the height thereof. He is describing the Ark of the Covenant. And he says, you shall overlay it with pure gold, within and without shalt thou overlay it, and thou shalt make upon it a crown of gold round about it. In verse 16, and thou shalt put into the ark of the test into the ark the testimony or the ten commandments which I shall give thee. And so God is he has Moses make this tabernacle. We know there's an outer court, an inner court, a holiest of holies. And then he has him make the ark of the covenant. And he gives him the exact description of it because God is looking in heaven at what he is telling Moses to build in the earth. And he tells Moses, he says, this ark represents my presence. And he said, put on both ends of it cherubims. I can't imagine what this must have looked like. And I can promise you it was absolutely God's will that the Ark of the Covenant has never been discovered because it would have become the biggest idol in the earth. Because ultimately, Jesus became the Ark of the Covenant. In fact, if you go, I'm going to get ahead of myself here, but the Bible says that when Mary looked in the tomb, there was an angel on both ends and Jesus is laying, he, he laid in the middle. It's a, a perfect type and shadow of the Ark of the Covenant. And so the Lord told him, he said, and in this Ark, you put the commandments or you put the law inside of this. 
And so now Israel has this replica. I don't know if they truly understand it, but they have a replica of what is sitting in heaven that God is looking at. Now God sets up this ordinance because this is all about one reason. God says, I want to dwell among my people. We don't understand how much God wants to hang out with us. I think that Sundays are probably one of the greatest celebrations in heaven because it's a day that people set aside to minister unto the Lord. And I think it moves the heart of God. And so the Lord sets up this ordinance and he says, now he says, I want you to take a, a man. And in this instance, it's Moses' brother. His name is Aaron. And he said, I'm designing a certain style of clothing that he is going to wear when he comes and ministers before me. And he says, he's going to come in once a year, and the only time of the year that he's going to come in on is Yom Kippur or Day of Atonement. Think about this, only one time a year could a man come into the presence of God, and that was on the Day of Atonement. What this accomplished was all of the sins that Israel had committed for that calendar year. Aaron would take the blood of bulls and goats and slay them, or the lamb. He would come into the holiest of holies, and he would take the blood of those animals, and he would put it on the mercy seat. And when he would put it on the mercy seat... It would not wash away their sins, but it would push them ahead. The blood of bulls and goats, in fact, Hebrews 10.4 says this, it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should ever take away sins. So in this particular setting, the blood of bulls and goats did not give Israel fellowship with God. It just kept them from death. So you really think about this. God is dwelling on earth amongst men, but he's in a prison. He can't come out. Because God is divine. And his nature is holiness and righteousness and life. So he cannot come out of the holiest of holies because the people that he would fellowship with are not like him. They are stained with sin. So once a year, with, because if you go back to the beginning, God always wanted to be with men. We know this in the Garden of Eden. And then he begins to implement different ways to try to help men, whether it's conscious, the conscience of man, or whether it's judges or different things. And finally, he says, I'm just going to take a nation. And that's when he sets up the sacrificial system. And that's when the animals begin to be slain for the blood of Israel. But it couldn't take away their blood or their sins. So the Lord begins to implement a process. And all of this, there is no fellowship between God and man. They vicariously have to fellowship with God through the entrance of one man 
who would come into the holiest of holies once a year, and that's all God had, and that's all Israel had. So now we're going to skip to the New Testament. The Bible says, and it teaches this, and you're going to have to hang in here. You're going to like this message, I promise. God realizes that human beings will never be able to live above sin with the law. The law is a schoolmaster, but it doesn't change their nature. So the only way that God the Father will ever be able to have communion with men, because God ain't going to change his nature, then he has to change the nature of men. And the only way he can change the nature of a man is to cleanse him permanently from his sins. But the demand of the law is this. The blood of bulls and goats will never suffice the demand of the law that says that man is no longer guilty of sin. So the Godhead in heaven... The Bible says this, there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. There's a lot of division. Some people believe in what we call oneness. Some people believe in Trinity. I, I don't care what you call it. All I know is this. There is Jesus, there is the Holy Ghost, and there is the Father. And these three comprise God. You cannot say they're the same thing because they're not. They are different, distinct, but the three of them comprise God. And if you could walk into heaven right now, you would see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. So they say, what do we do? And the Word said, I will become a man. Maybe the conversation was, but a man has sin. He says, well, I will lay down my, de uh, my deity. I will lay down my glory that I have with the Father. I will robe myself in flesh, and I will live among men to show them that a man can live above sin. Jesus did not come to the earth primarily to heal lepers, to steal the storm, or to raise the dead, or even to preach the gospel. He came for one purpose, that his blood would be shed once and for all. And when that blood was shed, you and I would be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb that we could sit in the year 2022 and say, I used to be bound. I used to be addicted. I used to be messed up. But because of Jesus, hallelujah, he has changed my nature. And God is not like me, but I am like God. Say, that's not right. The Bible says this, as he is in, the, in where he is, so are we in this present world. 
And it's not blasphemous to say we are like Jesus. He is our elder brother, and we have his name, we have his blood, and we have his nature. The only difference is we dwell in a temporal body, and Jesus is eternal. So Jesus comes to the earth, becomes a man. So now after, because no man has fellowship with the, and I find this interesting because men cannot fellowship with the Father or with the Holy Ghost. When you study this before Jesus is resurrected, the Bible says the Holy Ghost was not yet given because it would not come upon men who were bound by sin. No man had fellowship with the Father because of sin. So Jesus becomes a man, walks to the, comes to the earth through the womb of Mary, and begins to fellowship with men, but not in a heavenly realm, in a natural realm. This is why the disciples had such a hard time understanding Jesus' conversations. Because he was speaking out of a heavenly dimension, and they were hearing with natural ears. And they would look at each other and go, do you know what he's saying? Finally, he would say, are you wondering what I'm trying to say? And then he would explain it to them. So now we get to... Jesus is at the end of his ministry. And we're going to pick up in John, the 14th chapter. And I want to spend the rest of our time here today on what happens in the next few moments in Jesus' life. John, the 14th chapter. And starting with verse 1, Jesus is with his disciples and he's talking to them. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Now, I think it's only the King James and the New King James that use the word mansions. It, it, that's bad translation. It literally means dwelling place. So he says, in my Father's house, or where he lives, are multiple dwelling places. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. He said, so I'm going to prepare a place for you. So if we begin to read into this, Jesus is saying, in fact, let me read the rest of this verse because then we'll pick up on this. He says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. So, Jesus basically saying to me, he said, look, he said, there's an issue between you and the Father. And he said, where I'm going, you can't go. He said, but I'm going to go ahead of you, and I'm going to resolve this issue. He said, I'm going to go prepare a place that you can dwell with the Father, because right now, something's wrong. What was it? They had an old nature. So the Lord begins to tell them, he said, I'm going away. And he said, but I will come again. And he said, 
there ye may be also. Now, let's flip over a couple chapters to John 16. In the 16th chapter, in verse 16, Jesus says this to him. He's still having this conversation. He says, a little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and you shall see me. And he says, basically, he says, the reason that you're not going to see me for a little while, he says, because I'm going to my Father. Then his disciples said amongst themselves, what is this that he's saying to us? A little while, and you're going to see me, and a little while, you're not going to see me. They're just, I'm confused, they said. And Jesus said this, he said unto them, a little while, we cannot tell what he saith. And so, Jesus, he's trying to explain to them what's going to happen. In fact, he said this, he said, you're going to have a season where you're going to weep, but the world's going to rejoice. Most of the time when we read this, we're thinking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. This has nothing to do with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Because we won't weep at the second coming of Jesus Christ. The world's going to moan, but we're going to shout. So he's not referring to the rapture. He's referring to something that's getting ready to happen. And he said, you're going to weep for a little while because it looks like it's going to be over and I'm going to be gone. But he said, while I'm gone, you don't realize it, but I'm going to be in the Father's house and I'm going to fix the problem that keeps God from coming to fellowship with you and keeps you from fellowshipping with the Father. And so we know that Jesus is crucified, and they do weep. In fact, they give up hope. They think it's over. And uh, we're going to pick up now in John chapter 20. Verse 1, the first day of the week. Now, this is, see, we, we stop right here, and we celebrate. We're so excited that Jesus has resurrected. We sing, he's alive, and he's come out of the grave, and he, he's went back to the Father, and we're going to go home one day to be with him. But if Jesus would have went back to the Father immediately after resurrection, you and I would still be messed up. So in chapter 20, it says... First day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early while it's yet dark unto the sepulcher, and she sees the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Verse 2, she runs and she tells Simon Peter all about it, and then verse 3, Peter goes with John, and they run and see it. And um, verse 7, it says, And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Jewish culture had this particular thing in it. When a guest came to eat, if they really enjoyed the meal, they would take the napkin, fold it by itself, and it declared that I'm going to come back. 
the reason Jesus folded the napkin was because he was declaring to them, you think I'm gone, but I'm coming back. Hallelujah. And so she, she comes in there and she's coming to anoint the, the body. She's coming to commemorate his death. And um, verse 11, she stands outside the sepulcher weeping. And she wept. She looked down, looked into the sepulcher. She sees two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had laid. Verse 14, and when she had thus said, she turned herself back. She saw Jesus standing, and she knew not that it was Jesus. Now, this is very interesting because Jesus no longer has a fleshly body. Mary knows what Jesus looks like because she was at the grave. She's hung out with him for the last two years. All the disciples know what he looks like. But in two instances after resurrection, the Bible said Jesus would appear to them and they did not know it was him. Why? Because resurrection changes Jesus from a man back to God. And now for the first time, they're seeing Jesus in his glory, and he is so magnificent, they cannot comprehend who this is. If you don't believe me, go back and read about the road to Emmaus. Two men who know who Jesus is, who a prophet is, they walk with him for several miles and have no clue who it is. All of a sudden, he breaks the bread, opens their eyes, and said, my God, did not our hearts burn within us and ran eight miles? back in the same evening because of a divine encounter with a deified Jesus Christ in a glorified body. And so, verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why weepest thou whom thou seekest? And she thinks he's the gardener. Verse 16, Jesus said unto her, Mary, she turns herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master, now, this is very interesting. Jesus, in verse 17, he says, Don't touch me, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascended to my Father, your Father, to my God, and your God. Mary's so excited about Jesus being alive that she wants to hug him. And he said, hold on. He said, you can't touch me. And there's been a lot of questions about why did he say that? He is adhering to Old Testament law. When the high priest was getting ready to come into the holiest of holies and offer the blood on the mercy seat, he had to sequester himself, and he could not be defiled by anybody touching him. Jesus now has died. His blood has been shed at Calvary, and he has rose again, and you would think it's it. And here she goes to hug him. He said, don't touch me. I have not yet ascended to my father. 
So this is what I want to show you what happened on the day that we celebrate. Because verse 19 says this, Then the same day at evening, talking about the same day that Mary came in the morning, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus comes back, stands in the midst of them, and says, Peace be unto you. And when he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. In Luke it says, not only did he show them his hands and his sides, he said, touch me. That morning he said, don't touch me. Because I've not yet ascended to my father. But now in evening time, he's in a room with all of them. He says, handle me. Touch me. Look at my hands. Look at my side. So what happened between the morning that Mary saw him and that night that he showed up in that room with disciples and said, touch me? The greatest single event that would ever take place occurred on that day. And nobody really understood what was going on. Now, I want to go over to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 because these writers all got a revelation of what was happening and they begin, they would give us little bits and pieces. Ephesians 4 verse 8, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended on high, He led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended, but what is it that he first also descended into the lower parts of the earth? And he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fulfill all things. When Jesus came out of the grave. He did not come out as a man robed in flesh. He came out as he was before he ever came into the womb of Mary. He was God 100%. There was no flesh part of him. He was absolutely restored back to the glory that he had with his father before he ever came to the earth and robed himself in flesh. This is why they couldn't hardly recognize him because no man had ever seen God till they saw Jesus after resurrection. Now Jesus is going to restore and fix everything that the devil has done on the earth. Ephesians says the very first thing that Jesus did after he was resurrected on that day, from the time that he told Mary, don't touch me, to the time that he told his disciples, touch me. The Bible said that Jesus by himself descended into hell. And he looked at Old Testament saints. There's Abraham and Daniel and Ezekiel and Moses and Jeremiah and David in Sheol. And they can't go anywhere because they still are stained with the blood of sin. Jesus walks in, hallelujah, and his blood, oh, has already changed things. And the Bible said he took captivity captive. He walked into hell. He looked at him. He said, you're coming out with me. Up until this point, nobody has ever went into hell and walked back out. 
No man has ever went into hell and walked back out. Jesus walks into hell, looks at the devil and his angels and said, go ahead, give it your best shot. They said, we don't know what to do because we've never seen anybody like you. We don't have any authority over you. Jesus said, come on, Moses. Come on, Daniel. Come on, Ezekiel. The Bible said he led them out. He loosed them. Came up into Jerusalem. And he looked at them and he said, guys, he said, I got something I need to do. So he said, y'all just hanging out in Jerusalem for a few hours because I'm going to finish taking you on home but I haven't yet finished preparing a place for you that you can dwell with the Father. So the scripture says that after resurrection, Old Testament saints walk the streets of Jerusalem. Can you imagine the conversations that are going on? Isaiah said, you know, I've been prophesying about him. David said, I saw him, hallelujah, that his soul would not suffer corruption. But I don't have any idea what he's up to right now. And they're walking around and Moses saying, what do you think he's doing? Nobody can find him. The Bible says that Jesus began to ascend up into heaven. What was he doing? He was headed for the mercy seat. In Hebrews chapter 9, I mean, I'd like to read the whole chapter, about three, three chapters, but we don't have time. But it says, um, verse 7 of chapter 9, we're going to kind of skip around here, but it says, but into the second, talking about the holiest of holies, went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. The Holy Ghost signifying that the way into the holiest of alls was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. Now, verse 11. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, doing what? Having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now, you've got to think about this. For thousands of years, for 4,000 years, or actually a little less than that, from the time that Moses constructed 
the tabernacle. It was a shadow of another tabernacle that we don't know how long existed in heaven. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. So the tabernacle in heaven existed before the world ever came into being. The Father would look at the ark that had a mercy seat, but inside of it, there was a law that demanded blood. It is sterile, it is clean, nothing has ever been put on it. And the Father longs to have companionship. He makes man, man falls into sin. And even though the blood is shed in the earth of blood of bulls and goats, heaven is empty. Old Testament saints aren't there. The only thing that is in heaven is the angels and the Father and the Holy Spirit. But one day, the Bible says that we have a high priest. Jesus was the high priest. But this time, he's not bringing the blood of bulls and goats. But in between the morning and the evening, in walks Jesus. Walks into the holiest of holies while the Father is watching. Walks over to the Ark of the Covenant that inside law demands justice. And no man has ever been able to meet the requirements of the law that would have allowed men to come into the holiest of holies. But that day, after resurrection, Jesus took his own blood with him, ascended up into glory, walks into heaven, walks over to the mercy seat that is covering the law. And that day, Jesus takes his bone blood, begins to drop it on the mercy seat. And as he begins to drop it on the mercy seat, law says, it is enough hallelujah and that day Jesus oh opened up a new and better way and the father looked at the son and said tell them they can come home now and Old Testament saints that were walking the streets of Jerusalem Jesus came back and the Bible says here they went and for the first time on Easter in walked Abraham in walked Isaac in walked Jacob and the father looked at them and said welcome home forever things have been changed the father says it's satisfied Jesus turns walks out of heaven, comes back down to the earth, walked into a room of discouraged, confused men, said, hey guys, got anything to eat? (laughs) 
They gave him a piece of broiled fish. The Bible says they watched him eat it. And they can't hardly wrap their minds around it. He said, it's me. Look. Touch me. Handle me. Why? Because he has finished the job, the purpose of the high priest, and no longer can he be defiled. Now, all of a sudden, everything changes in heaven because the law no longer screams for blood because the Bible says once and for all, he offered his blood and it was forever satisfying to the Father. From that moment on, Jesus, hallelujah, has opened up a new and better way. That's why he said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. How did he do it? He went into the holiest of holies, uh, put blood on the mercy seat, uh, and today you and I are free with all of our problems, uh, with all of our failures, uh, with all the times that we mess up. Uh, we holler blood, 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 uh, and the blood of Jesus. Jesus gets upon us and washes our sins away. Now, no wonder the Bible says, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. All things pass away and all things become new. The moment that the blood of Jesus was shed, our sins were forever wiped away. The Father looked at the Holy Ghost and said, go ahead. And on the day of Pentecost, the second person in the Godhead came out of glory, jumped on you and me, filled us with his power and set us free in the anointing of the Lord. So we do not just celebrate the fact that he walked out of the tomb. We celebrate the fact that he was our high priest and walked into heaven into the true tabernacle which man had not pitched. And after thousands of years, I don't know what he had that blood in, but he dropped it on the mercy seat. I don't know what it sounded like. I don't know what it looked like. But the moment that the lamb slain from the foundation of the world put sinless blood on the holiest of holies mercy seat God said not guilty so when the accuser of the brethren comes to you and says remember what you did a year ago or five years ago or last week you're not worthy. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You, you, you only have the right to pray. Why are you reading the Bible? You just say, the blood. Hallelujah. <clears throat> oh, the blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. Oh, the blood 
that gives me things from day to day it will never lose its power oh it reaches to the highest mountain it flows to the lowest valley. Oh, the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. We're here today because of what Jesus did in a 12-hour period. My God, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when you mess up next week, or I mess up, we don't have to take a knife shed some blood, kill our dog. I ain't doing that. At least one of them. But all that's required from me and you, say, Father, I repent. And the Father says, it's under the blood. Hallelujah. 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 Before we give a general altar call, I want my wife to come because I, I want us to make an appeal for souls. Some of you, this might be the only time you come to church. But today, hallelujah, there is access in this room to Jesus. Hallelujah. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Can we stand together, church, as a family? I believe there are some here under the sound of my voice that have never given your heart to the Lord. You're not where, sure where you stand with Christ, but today, Today, you can be a new creation in Christ Jesus. What you did yesterday can be gone. What you did last week, what you did a month ago, what you did this morning can be washed away under the blood of Jesus Christ. That blood still flows today in this room. If you're not sure of where you stand with Christ today, every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around just for a moment, would you slip up your hand and say, Pastor Candy, that's me. Would you pray for me? I'm not going to call you down front. I just want to pray for you right where you are. Slip your hand up and slip it back down and say, yes, that's me. Yes, I see. Anyone else? Anyone else? Jesus loves you. This is the best day to receive Jesus Christ right now. Today is the day of salvation. Is there anyone else? Just slip up your hand and slip it back down. If you need Jesus in your heart, 
You say, I know I haven't lived the life that I, I needed to live, but today I'm ready to make a change. Just slip your hand up. Let me pray for you right where you are. Anyone else? Anyone else? Why don't we pray together as a family? If you're comfortable taking the hand of someone next to you, let's, let's pray as a family. Can we pray everybody, front to back and side to side, repeat this prayer after me, everyone. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. I've transgressed against the laws of God. But I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross. He rose again that I could have eternal life. So Lord, would you wash me in the precious blood of Jesus? Will you make me a new creation in Christ? I surrender my life to you in Jesus' name. Come on church, give Jesus Christ a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah! Amen. <clears throat> Ephesians in, ends with this subject. He said, Christ has been made to sit on the right hand of the Father. But it also says this, now he hath made us to sit with Christ in heavenly places. So today, we're here in the earth, in this physical body, but our inner man is sitting in heaven right now, next to the Father and Jesus. And the Bible said that Jesus is ever making intercession for us. I don't think that means that Jesus is verbally all the time saying, Father, help him, help him, help him. I think what that means is that his blood is still on the mercy seat and it ever makes intercession for you and me. So yes, we're human and yes, we mess up. But greater than that is we have an advocate with the Father now, Jesus, and His blood. I'm sure the Old Testament saints never really understood what happened that day till He said, let's go home. And they walked into heaven, and there was the Holy Spirit, and there was the Father, and there's no veil. Hallelujah. So today, I want us as a church, I know we have a large crowd, but as much as we can fill the altars, I want you to take advantage in your life of the fact that Jesus has paid for your past sins, your present sins. Come on while I'm talking and your sins that you're going to mess up in the future. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? 
because the blood answers the accusation of the law hallelujah and this is why Jesus said I have fulfilled the law get in as close as you can that day Jesus said <clears throat> I have answered the demands of the law no wonder we can sing power in the blood hallelujah because you hang out with the father now oh he wraps his arms around you in this altar today not just Jesus but the father and the Holy Ghost is inside of you so right now you and I have the fullness of the Godhead in us completely God the Father God the Son God the Holy Ghost my God we are dangerous in the earth because in us dwells the fullness of God hallelujah by the blood of Jesus Christ Hallelujah. I believe that God's putting some authority in this building. Listen, you got to quit thinking of yourselves as I'm just happy to be saved. The blood made you a warrior. <clears throat> if Jesus can descend into hell and loose Old Testament saints you and I can just ascend into the heavenlies and bind principalities and powers by the authority of the blood of Jesus Christ that's why we sing that song I plead the blood I plead the blood I plead the blood why because there is power there is nothing that the devil hates more than the blood of Jesus Christ the blood will empty out hell the blood will save your children the blood will change our nation the blood will give us the nations as our inheritance by the Spirit of the Lord all right fire us up <laughs> got joy in my soul God is in control Satan on my trail but I'm singing all is well he's attacking every day but I watch you while I pray no matter the attack won't turn back this means war
But my, I need my prayer partners to turn around if you need somebody to pray with you God wants you to know that there's enough authority in this house to do anything that you need done by the spirit of the Holy Ghost as Jasmine leads us in this song take advantage of our prayer partners and celebrate the fact that Jesus hallelujah has triumphed for us go ahead
Bible that we don't see I pray all the time Lord open up the scriptures to me let me see the secrets that are in there there's so much revelation so many messages and it takes the Holy Ghost to enlighten our eyes to open them up but I don't think there's any single greater event in the history of mankind than the day that Jesus walked into heaven and put his blood on the mercy seat. <clears throat> because you think about this, in the Old Testament, Israel could not come into the presence of the Lord because inside the Ark of the Covenant, there was the law that said guilty. And Jesus walks in to the eternal tabernacle same law put it on the mercy seat and it's like Steve said God stamped it satisfied hallelujah. hallelujah satisfied so the good thing about starting at three on church is you can go to a restaurant all the Baptists are gone all the Methodists are gone. All the Charismatics are gone. No hour-long wait. Have a good time. Um, thank you for coming to church on Easter. Thank you for coming. This church comes to church all the time. Amen. Uh, honored to have you. I pray that this will be a glorious day with you and your family. And that God will continue to do a work in you that he started today. Thank you.